am I right that I should have been here at 3.30? You are welcome anytime you arrive. Oh, that means no, doesn't it? It means I should have been here at 3. Is that right? It's grand. It's given us a chance to have a little mini rant. Mm, (laughs) You can come in and take it whichever direction you like, Andy. (laughs) Oh, no. I want to be led. I want to be led for once. (laughs) Well, we could do that. Uh, What we were talking about was what is our understanding about the rolling out of the National Retrofitting Scheme since its announcement earlier this year Mm. and how well... are we is is it going with building up the one-stop shops and what are the obstacles that have been met and where might that show us an opportunity and how can we Hmm. investigate opportunities for collaboration and two of those key bits that have come up is that what's lacking is sort of like a team of retrofit assessors who can go around and at least start the conversations with um the homeowners and occupiers to say like this is the condition of your house right now and this would be your whole house plan like just because I, I anecdotally being Irish I have people at home who are calling me all the time going it's not working like I'm phoning people and I can't get anybody to come out because my BER rating is apparently too low and but I actually really have the opportunity to do some work so what should I do and I'm like well you should have a, a retrofit assessment and a whole house plan and then you can procure stuff but there is nobody to deliver that service yet or at least not at scale so there's a huge opportunity there to like do it's that. interesting isn't it yeah. I mean we 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 we're with my Simmons Mills hat on, we're getting an increasing number of, of, of people from the able to pay market, you know, wanting their buildings retrofitted. And we're working with Gervais Manguana from Waxwing Energy. Now he's he's not a retrofit assessor formally. I'm, what I'm thinking about is the skill set needed to sort of go in, and people with the right um, experience actually contain a huge amount of the skills needed, all in one person to be able to very quickly go from looking at a house to getting people into the right ballpark, mm. doing yeah. the, the early stage assessments. And of course, what we're, <clears throat> we're trying to do is structure it by breaking it down into skill sets for different roles. And mm. that's, I don't know, sometimes I, I wonder, I mean, I guess that is the, the normal way of going about things, isn't it? Mm. But Gervais, mm. for example, you know, is one person, he is doing retrofit assessment. He's 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 also giving retrofit advice, but he knows understands about the role of retrofit designer. Um, and I guess guess because we've been working with it, we are standardising our approach to things, which <clears throat> really helps. It's not just yeah. you know, let's try this this time, let's try that that time. Or I found a fantastic product I saw at a fair the other day, you know. Um, but that's yeah. the thing that we were saying as well. Like say the likes of people powered retrofit and how they've been developing their home whole house planner tool or the yes. whole home planner tool that it makes it something that's easy to um interact with from this side like from the professionals side but covers a wide range of bases and then is ultimately understandable by the other side by the occupants and mm. and it's about sharing that knowledge and trying to make it and they've gone through a few iterations as they try to simplify it and standardize it that much more so it's, that a sh- it's a shame in a way sarah that that um gervais isn't part of this discussion maybe you should get him on because he he actually has got an arrangement he works with people powered retrofit he's down here in Herefordshire oh, but he works it? with people powered retrofit right. and he's been using that tool under a, a sort of license mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and so what he gets with us is can you use PHPP instead please and he goes well I've done both because I'm so keen to see that <laughs> you know um, so we are getting a bit of an insight into that mm-hmm. particular tool but well, we're, we're also, out. <clears throat> we're also 
um, beginning a working relationship with People Powered Retrofit here as Heal, where myself, Dave and Sal Wilson have um, just recently uh, created a cooperative, of uh, workers cooperative here called Home Energy Action Lab. And we are basically saying to People Powered Retrofit, that bit of your business plan about replicating your model far and wide, we are here for that. Let us hmm. be part of that. So we're in the process of trying to also push that out. And they're working with a couple of other people. Like hmm. um, there's quite a, there's quite a few organizations dotted around that are trying to engage with that. Um, hmm. So it is, it's a really great way of doing it. I just want that to happen faster. <laughs> it's a, but it's a very interesting point, Sarah, that you raised because um, even if you look at it, whether it's in an Irish context or not, there is a need, I think, probably for somebody to, you know, a, a function for somebody to come along. And the, the, the trick is to, to to ensure that they have the right qualifications of the right experience and so on. Or it's just that they're the right person um, for, for the role to, they almost can help help us buy time as well for the, for, for the one-stop shops to get set up. Um, exactly. By, by, uh, by giving people as well advice independent of the one-stop shops as well, so they can work out when they're approaching them, you know, whether they're being sold a pub or not, you know, because we're mm. going to get different kinds of advice from different one-stop shops. Um, and some of them will be tied to selling particular kinds of products as part of it. Some of them mm. won't. Um, and uh, giving people that... To, that that sense of 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 reliable independent uh uh you know advice specific to their building and their needs uh, I'll ask you a bit you about know. that jeff because you 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 you're following how the one stop shops are developing in ireland yeah and, and you're raising this issue of consistency between one stop shops yeah and mm. quality of the advice how open is it you know how variable are they likely to be are they going to be quite different entities? One-stop shop, you know, A might be yeah, <clears throat> much more commercial than. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's got ultimately it's going to be open to like community-based organisations to become one-stop shops. There haven't been any that have been approved yet. Um, anything from community-based organisations to to contractors to utilities partnering up with someone as well. So there's know? no blueprint or overarching set of criteria that, that one-stop shops should be working to then? There, there are requirements that they're, uh, there's a, and they're vetted. So there's a, quite a detailed application process they've got to go through and they've got pre-qualification criteria that they've got to meet, but I think they're pretty broad. <laughs> um, and uh, then the works have to be done in line with the Irish Code of Practice for Retrofit and so on. So there's all of that. Um, uh, and that's under review. Actually, that's that's going to be updated. Uh, to, and there's some obvious kind of clangers in there. I mean, the code of practice retrofit in Ireland. Uh, don't laugh and be uh, nasty a bit, a bit uh, in the way that English people often are a bit a bit Irish people. Uh, we've got, um, there's a majority you, in the room here. Is that just me? That's just me, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. just you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, you're not. You're not the usual colonial. You're not the, the, the sneering colonial type. I know. Um, but, I can. Um, I can do sneering colonial. <laughs> not in this room, you can't, Andy. I've just buried it. Buried it deep, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's right, and that's where it should stay. <laughs> we have. Um, I'll give an example. When I first read the, the code of practice, I noticed that um, on one hand it tells you um, uh, that uh, there's a table which shows you varying types of retrofit uh, and uh, tells you with five or six different ventilation system options uh, through from 
typical natural ventilation to passive stack to heat recovery ventilation and so on and tells you based on a uh, light retrofit to a through to what they call an advanced air tightness retrofit which ventilation strategy is acceptable and it says in the case of natural ventilation and passive stack ventilation if it's advanced air tightness retrofit uh, they're not acceptable so I was very pleased to see that, right? Um, uh, later on in the same document, it tells you how to do uh, natural ventilation with advanced air tightness retrofits. <laughs> so it completely contradicts itself, you know, in the same document. And of course, the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, when they were borrowing from that code of practice for the guidance they provide to contractors on retrofit, copied and pasted the stuff on how to do natural ventilation for advanced air tightness retrofit while conveniently ignoring yeah. that it says, don't do it. You know, so there's those kind of contradictions, you know. I think in past 2035, it's actually quite prescriptive and it, and it, and it advises strongly against passive stack ventilation. I'm fairly sure it does. I, I think that can work, you know, passive stack. I think um, uh, yeah. uh, it's but, just... But this doesn't this raise this issue of, you know, if really there needs to be this consistent body of evidence. Yes. And I know some, yeah. some evidence is still, you know, breaking as it were, still mm. working out, but... <clears throat> There's got to be a common accepted baseline for things. So, for example, you know, we've had some good results with MEV. When you're doing retrofit, you need a bit of choice. MVHR can be retrofitted, as you know, in some building types, maybe bungalows, for example, but it's very challenging in in other types to the point of being impossible. So the importance of ventilation, along with all the other measures, is is not is, is, is unarguable. And I assume that's a given across you know the various parties and groups but so so what's the other option to mvhr well continuous single point whole house extract ventilation works very well you know it does you small energy penalty but you've got the consistency um it can be but, a penalty too though yeah but if you yeah potentially but if you have um, an air tightness target on one project, which might be a fantastic two air changes per hour or something, but realistically, you could only be expecting maybe five air changes per hour as a reasonable job on most retrofits. That system can be bypassed, you know, because you've got a sort of natural buoyancy of, of warm air up a two or three storey building, counteracting the effect of this MEV. So <clears throat> there are some areas where it's really important to share that evidence base to build consistency. And I know we're at this early stage. I mean, well, we're several decades too late, but the problem, we're at an early stage. Is there any evidence that this is happening? You know, we've got Italy, haven't we? We've got Italy mm. with their, their, their programme. We've got Ireland with theirs. Um, we haven't got England with theirs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, where is there evidence of sharing, of building shared evidence bases to get this right? There, there, yeah, there, there is in this context, in Irish context, there is monitoring studies that have been done. And one of the people, mm. a few of the people we're going to have on the podcast eventually when we when we uh, nab them are um, Oliver Canaan and Shane Coakley um, from University College Dublin. And uh, they've done some very, uh, Shane has mainly led it, some very interesting monitoring uh, studies on both new buildings and uh, deep retrofits. Um and identified in some cases very significant performance gaps. Um, this all kicked off in the media in Ireland uh, a few weeks ago when when Oliver uh, co-presented before a, a parliamentary committee, Joint Directors Committee. Um, so uh, and um, uh, at, towards the end of it, he effectively kind of put across the view that we don't have the evidence base to support deep retrofit 
at the moment. Uh, so we need more evidence and, and we should just instead be giving everybody 500 quid to go down B&Q um, and get some loft insulation or something. Now, I don't know whether he holds that view. Uh, I, I, you know, it was a two and a half hour session and it was, mm-hmm. that was in response to quite a provocative line of questioning from one of the, 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 the politicians. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we'll I, get nowhere. We'll get nowhere if we're going to do the, it's this or that. We'll get absolutely nowhere because the the bit the it's a really dangerous thing if you give somebody a one liner which which hangs you on yeah it's deep retrofit earth shallow fit retrofit and that's it mm. like we really really got to give a, a a much more rounded view of like yeah. what are the risks and what are the ways that you manage that risk and how do you even understand how your building works right now and do you know what it would do if you put this thing on that like and it's and it's I, I mean it would be it will be brilliant to talk to them to see so that we can give them a, a space to sort of. Well, this work is, through it because there is validity in some of the things they're saying, but it's well, there is, but, but there's, there's, to people's ears that matters. But, it, but it's interesting this this question of, of complexity <clears throat> because you know we, we, when the ACV wrote the carbon light retrofit course, we we we, we took a view that we wanted to look at. Uh, it's, it's about understanding risk and managing risk and being honest about risk. So you. you, you you understand buildings enough to be able to reduce risk. We weren't telling people how to retrofit the buildings at the end of it. We give some examples of how other people had done it. We weren't saying, do it like this. We were just saying, if you work in this way, you can start to just reduce bulk risk down to some residual risk, and then you're just honest about what's left. And that gets a bit subtle then, because it's like, well, do you or don't you put IWI on? <clears throat> Doesn't It still leaves people okay. hanging a little bit. And I think when you're talking to uh, Marion Heslip, for example, um, about how do these one-stop shops, this point at which people come to and want to know how to go about a whole house retrofit, the sort of design and specification side, at scale, there's going to have to be some generic advice developed. It's pretty robust, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And one of those things, maybe if we're talking about regional areas, so you, you, you take the building, the stock, the type of buildings in that area, and start to build up a, an understanding of what those buildings are. You know, there might be <clears throat> 20,000 of that type or uh, pretty typical, you know, 30,000 of that type. Mm-hmm. And then libraries of strategies and libraries mm-hmm. of construction details. Because if every if every building being considered by a one-stop shop becomes a kind of complex design challenge, it's mm-hmm. just not going to go anywhere, as you, you, yeah. you're alluding to, Sarah, isn't it? Exactly right. And I think this is what was really brilliant, because like I have another friend who's trying to resolve um, an, some issues around what best measures to put in place right now for a property in Cornwall, I think. And, you know, she's scour- and she's in, in the industry and she's scouring everywhere for, for stuff. And one of the documents she's looking at is the Pebble Trust Sustainable Guide, which is like a Scottish publication. Mm. Now, there will be some approaches that are similar, but you're thinking to yourself, that is a big geographic difference with very, yeah. very different climatic like act- actions on those buildings. Like, we, we, you're quite right. I think this is what we talk about when we're saying like get to know your building stock. It's like there's a there are there have to be assumptions that we need to make about certain things that, that you can get to a point. And then yes, each different each different. One but there's two there's two ways that knowledge base is built. You know, one is by um, the early the pioneers and then the early adopters sharing the information that they've got. But it's basically that's individual private packages of information done for clients or small groups of clients. <clears throat> um, there's feedback from the which is probably less valuable. I don't know, feedback from like the larger programs like the Sustainable Housing Development Fund projects, 
But, you know, the, the sort of feedback that comes back from those is, is quite weak, I think. It's not what what we're after what really we're after why is that why is that andy is it that they just they're not, they're not <clears throat> i think because i think or? yeah so for example if you're trying to get a retrofit cost data back from social housing development projects you know what is the format do the teams know in advance that they are going to need to present format in a particular way or will they all be different well they'll all be different <laughs> so you get back information that actually you can't compare one with another so that's what i mean by boeiness and how good how likely are they to want to uh to share their failures if they're having as well well those things can be shared if they're anonymized and put out as you know but yeah, yeah there are lots of problems there so not looking with great sort of anticipation at, at that sort of source but what's needed and we always come back to this is the need for public monies to be put into to developing you know, see even if it's just seeding, um, you know, sort of stock surveys of local regions. With Thank a view the Lord, to can somebody listen to what Andy has just suggested? <laughs> Make it happen, please. I mean, it just it doesn't it seem. But so it's not obvious. that big a. It's not actually that big a challenge because buildings. Yes, every building's different, but you know, we're, at the moment, the ACB, we're, we're, we're looking at, we're, we're challenged, we've challenged ourselves and we're looking at whether our ACB retrofit standard needs to be extended to accept that heat pumps well put in are actually amazing pieces of technology and mm. the and the national grid is decarbonising. And whilst, <clears throat> whilst issues of peak heat demand and so on, um, and and, 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 and uh, reinforcement to the local electricity supplies will become important. They're not so important now. So we're looking to see, and in fact, we've kind of made a decision, we will extend the retrofit standard so that uh, there is a meaningful, uh, that people can certify a minimal fabric intervention in a house yeah. with a heat pump. And then if they can't quite make it uh, affordable to run that heat pump, they can then move to uh, revamping the radiator system to bring up the efficiency of that heat pump system, which is, you know, <clears throat> basically could 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 get them at least to cost parity with gas, maybe a bit better, before yeah. they then have to then bring a lot more capital to it. However, there are a lot of reasons why people would go for a full ACB retrofit, because it takes people well away from fuel poverty. You know, they don't just delay it for a year or two. So it's that range. So we've decided the range is important. So I think in a way, coming back about this question of understanding the building you were talking about and and, and, and standardised details, regional details being built up to speed up the whole process, scale up the whole process. I think it has to start with standards. Yeah. It has, you know, this is why standards can be so powerful. Yeah. No. It's brilliant it, though. I mean, and you hear it. And it's the standard and it's the protecting of risk about how you go along that journey. So mm. we, I think actually Andy, yourself, myself and Duncan had this conversation with a couple of people about how do you get the vast majority of all of the interests, the, the occupants, the homeowners, everybody, renters, everybody aware of this issue and then getting all of those buildings onto this like wedge of, of you know, heading towards the best you know, low energy retrofit that you can possibly have, which is maybe arguably benefit. And then if we are aiming that direction, it doesn't really matter if we get mm. there, provided that we're on a journey, on a path that has the risk managed. And what is that path in my mind? That's an assessment in a whole house plan. That as the external circumstances change one way or another, whether that's the fact that grants suddenly exist or whether the government starts to give a damn um, or, you know, whether it's that 
the market has become so active that things have started to come down and whatever else those external things as they change because you have understood your building and because you understand how to get to that low energy demand then you know well i think what you've just said there is really important because the metaphor of path is, is is powerful what, and what you can't do with the path is go down a cul-de-sac and you have to come back again. So, <laughs> so what you said, what you said reminded me of the importance of the whole house plan. So, part of what we're planning with the with this ACB standard revamp is you must have a whole house plan in place in the sense that you can do that first uh, retrofit with a heat pump and, and not so much fabric, but a little bit of air tightness. Just get you know you can make very big greenhouse gas reductions. You can get an adequate house out of it. You must put some sort of ventilation in, but it's a it's a relatively low capital cost project. But you don't block your route over time, whether it's a DIY approach or or or, or at some point in you know when your heat pumps renewed in twenty years, the government is going. We are giving grants for deeper retrofit because we need to reduce peak heat demand, or we've we've actually put a value. We recognise all the non-energy co-benefits of a deeper retrofit um, or people just get into the habit that when they do improvement works they just take it that bit further but they've got a plan they have a map for their journey well it's a bit like um we were having a discussion the other day um would you buy a car without its mot logbook like would you so can we somehow make it like not like acceptable that your house ought to have this thing no matter whether what you were going to do with it you ought to have it if i believe that the government really should fund every home to have a retrofit assessment and a whole house plan and then you can maybe you know people smarter than me about money can work out how you would turn that into some sort of other fiscal incentive to do work Mm. or for the government to get their money back through local you know that from you know but those fiscal incentives will change over time, won't they? At the moment, you know, it's what you were saying about starting the journey, getting into this. Uh, everybody sort of gets on board and starts making coherent moves, mm-hmm. and slowly we ramp up the. the you know, we, we we all work towards better performance over time. But at the moment, it's like it, it, as it was, you know, even a few months ago, it's either deep retrofit or nothing. Mm-hmm. Is it, well, that's the challenge that's come back to us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the ACB, you know, years ago was saying, yeah, you know don't do a shallow retrofit you're locking out where we need to be in the future and we've realized that that's a bit black and white now well it's but it's complicated though isn't it because there is a risk depending on the approach you take to shallow retrofit there is the, the risk of uh reducing the pain just enough that people can bear it you know mm. um and you don't want to do that either you you want to kind of you know certainly you not want- this government because they'll take that as good enough well, it is an interesting point to to think, you know, why would somebody do a shallow retrofit with a heat pump? Well, you know, if you don't have much capital, maybe say you've got 15, 20 grand you can bring to bear on it, then topping up your loft insulation, um, you know, checking your cavity wall insulation and sorting that out if it's not quite right, putting a five kilowatt heat pump, you know, no more, so work with a small low-powered heat pump <clears throat> which is a very good discipline it's we're going to build that into the standard you know you you can so so in terms of the lifetime embodied carbon of those interventions it's actually not very much it's not much of a carbon burp to to do that and you get a dramatic reduction in greenhouse gas emissions but the running costs are you know it's the relative cost of gas versus electricity yeah. so at the moment it looks like say with a typical semi-detached cavity walled house you could do that you could probably reach cost parity 
with gas, but it doesn't mean it's cheap to run. Mm. It just means it's, and, and of course, and it assumes that you will get a grant for the heat pump, for the capital mm. cost of the heat pump. You have to assume that. Now, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody find that attractive to do? If you had £20,000, you wanted to get off gas for whatever reason, you wanted to reduce your greenhouse gas emissions, you know, you're doing the right thing. It's certainly an accessible capital cost for a lot of people to start. The why, though, is the interesting bit again, isn't it? Because this is broadening that conversation piece around the my pet hate term, the co-benefits of retrofit. It's the, the benefits bit, right? So the need to make your property resilient, the need for your comfort to be valued more, the need for your health to be valued more, the need for all of those wider sort of societal and neighbourhood benefits to be part of the comparison of why you do it. You know, I think that's mm. people are recognising that more now. And but if they do recognise that, they would tend not to do the shallow retrofit. They would they would go deeper straight away. And there are some sometimes, you know. They could afford it. Yes, if, if they can afford it. Yes, of course. And a lot of people can afford it, you know. Um, you know, there are, there are not insubstantial numbers of people who do have access to to savings or, or, or wealth who, who, or confidence to borrow who can afford it. And, you know, and those people need to be supported in, in acting. But one of the things you mentioned there was comfort, which is interesting with the shallow retrofit. So, for example, you know, if somebody did this, this, this shallow retrofit, um, they got to cost, cost power. They thought, well, this is okay. You know, we've slashed the greenhouse gas emissions. Is their house comfortable? Well, you know, we said they need to have some decent ventilation in. So we'll assume that's a, a given. They accept that. Yes, we want good air quality and so on. What about comfort? Well, <clears throat> if the radiator systems in the house are, you know, okay in terms of sizing for the heat pump, they get not a bad coefficient performance. Um, and the radiators sort of, you know, run at low temperature as they should be. Uh, but they're they're big enough that they counteract the cold areas that haven't been insulated. Fine, it's an adequate house. The Achilles heel of comfort tends to be living rooms, where you know um, if you can if you can make it comfortable with a large radiator in the right place, fine. But it is the weak point because you're sitting down for long periods of time, and uh, and and thermal asymmetry, you know, sort of cold bridges down at the bottom. They they can they can catch you out. So you actually think this is. You know, the, the air temperature is 21 or something, 22, but actually I still feel a bit chilly. Mm. And so extra attention to living rooms could be a way to sort of get that first step in comfort improvement, whereas the rest of the house is less critical kitchens, it's really, dining, it's dining rooms. really um, heartening this is, you know, really rational, uh, non-dogmatic um, and, uh, and, you know, you're, you're, I think the critical thing is that if you're, like, I agree with you that, that there needs to be a way to, to allow uh, a relaxation of, of standards with regards to, to fabric in certain cases, quite clearly. When, when wow, you Andy, you're having some impact on Jeff. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, that's, that's, well, we have been talking about this in the background for, we have, yeah, for a and while. Early you know, teasing you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same, it's like the super home scheme in, in Ireland as well. It's the same kind of principle underpinning that. So the thing is that, that, um, what you have to try and do, the critical thing is there's a distinction for me between shallow, shallower approaches to retrofit that that kind of uh, work and that don't lock out future progress that's the critical mm-hmm. thing perhaps and then shallow retrofit uh, approaches which which may end up uh uh leaving the building in me- mediocrity where you're not really able to do much more in the future and that's a, that's the point to try and 
the, the distinction it, is, it is it's critical and and again it's back to the whole house plan now you know i've seen all sorts of versions of whole house plans including our own attempts over the years to, to to be able to charge people a modest amount of money to get to a whole house plan and you know i say we've never managed to do it really well for 300 quid a shop no. um I've, you know people are thinking about 1500 quid to get a decent whole house plan sorted but you know, it is incredibly valuable thing to have if you take the long-term view. So I don't know quite how that's settling down. That comes into our one-stop shop conversation we we're talking about before. Generic strategies that work for the regional house types that people are coming with. That's where we need to to be. Um, what was it else you said, which was interesting? Uh, oh, I don't see interesting things. Uh, <laughs> maybe he wasn't talking about it. Maybe. <laughs> Too many interesting threads to kind of keep thinking about on a late Friday afternoon. Uh... 